Do you still believe that God is able to perform miracles? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all those who tune in. This is a continuation of a special recording to commemorate the 150th episode of the Face the Truth podcast. The Face the Truth team would like to thank you for faithfully listening to each episode. You are the reason the Face the Truth team puts so much hard work into producing this podcast. We are going to let you listen to some of the preachers that came out of the Greater Apostolic Tabernacle in the Dallas suburb of Balk Springs, Texas, under the leadership of the late Elder James Davis. The men who sometimes refer to themselves as the Brotherhood or the Balk Springs Boys recently shared some of their experiences from their time in the home church. All of the preachers were not present at the time of this recording, and elders Robert Davis and Johnny McFall were missed as the stories of great miracles were shared by the group. In part two of this series, you will hear from Reverend Bill Daniels, Bishop Gregory Riggin, Reverend Theron Stewart, and Reverend Chris Moore. You will be blessed during this time of reminiscing. I was going to ask you if you would, because you were there when it happened, would you give us the Reader's Digest condensed version of the story of Brother Stovall? Yes, I was standing right by him. They were doing some remodeling in the old building that was the Sunday school department. Brother Stovall had, now you, you'd, you'd have to understand, this man was a big man. He, he was very tall, and he was very, you know, he was just a big, big man. Yeah, he's probably close seven foot tall, I guess. He was, he was tall. Fifteen and, he was and a half triple A shoe. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He, I'm talking big man. But he was up in the rafters, and I don't remember why he was up there. Well, he was doing something up there in those rafters, and he fell out of those rafters right beside me and hit the back of his head he, he, when, he, when he hit, and it was concrete. And when he did, we looked down there, and his eyes rolled back in his head, and we thought, I mean, we were, we were afraid. We, we, Brother Davis was down just a little ways from where we were at, and we called Brother Davis. Brother Davis run in there and laid his hands on him. And we all began to pray. And, and suddenly, Brother Stovall's eyes rolled back. And he sat there and they set him up. And God miraculously, I mean, he could have he died right there. The way he hit that his head, it could have been over right there. Yeah. But God Elder raised Davis, him up. Elder Davis believes believed till he died that Brother Stovall actually did die. Yeah, I mean, he was dead. His eyes had rolled back in his he head. He said by the time he yeah. got to him, he wasn't breathing. He was convinced he was God dead. raised him. God raised him from the dead. Now, part two of that story was that next service. I, I, think, I don't know if that was, a, if that was a, a weekday. For some reason, I wasn't there. I must have been in school. But I remember the next service after that happened. Now, the amazing thing, God had raised Brother Stovall up. But he was still, he could barely move. Uh, he was yeah. so sore, he, he, he couldn't still hardly move anything. And you could just see the pain, every movement, every joint. You could tell he was hurting so bad. And I remember watching him barely make his way down the aisle and ease himself down into the pew. 
and service got started and Elder Davis was, was leading the service that night and he was singing. The Holy Ghost started moving and the elder pointed at Brother Stovall and said, God wants you to run. And of course, I turn around and see who he's talking to and I, I saw Brother Stovall. Brother Stovall had these eyes, you know, his eyes were like silver dollars and he said, me? And the elder said, yes, you. God wants you to run. And he took that 15 and a half triple A shoe and he put one of them out in the aisle and, and he eased himself up. I mean he was barely moving and he got himself stood up and then he got the other foot out there and then he made another step and another and I mean within a matter of probably 60 seconds he took off in a dead run and I don't know how many laps he made around that church and God finished the work that night. Oh yeah. Completely healed him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. All right, that's brother, brother Stewart. Talk to us a little bit here. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I tell you, this is a beautiful thing we're doing, and it's not uh, happenstance, and it's not just uh, something to fill time. I believe this is to build faith. Yes. I believe it's right. to encourage the church and to the day that we live to let you know that you can grow from this and understand God still works the same today as he did a few years ago. Now, this may seem strange, but as we were singing this morning, I looked up on the wall behind us and I saw the words to a song. And it just came to me that, you know, it's common for us today with technology that we have. But a thought in the Bible, when the Bible says in the book of Daniel, it talks about the handwriting on the wall. Now that, you know, to us, because we see what we see today, it's no big deal. But you got to understand, when God begins to work, He works in unexpected ways, and He works miracles, amen, that He might get the glory. Now we can see transfer of technology, but we can't see just words appear on the wall. Amen. And we're serving a big God. And so um, I want to not take up a lot of time, and I, I want to start with this. I, I regret that I didn't have more time with Brother Davis, and I think we were there about a year and a half in the church, but prior to that, we had a, a home mission work in Waxahachie, Texas, and uh, Brother Davis come, and he preached for us, and Brother Moore, I think, was there one time, or he brought some young people with him, and, and um uh, he was anointed, and God did some powerful things, and then we were blessed to be in the church, and we did see miracles happen. T- to us, it was common because it happened so often there. I'm talking about people receiving the Holy Ghost, and Brother Davis could get up, and the Holy Ghost would move on him, and he would reveal things, but that's just the way he was, and he was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor, put a lot in my ministry in my life, and I told him, we gave up the church in Waxahachie, and we drove to his church. It was either 27 or 37 miles one way, and we was willing to drive to be in a good church. And so I said, when I went there, I said, Brother Davis, I said, I'm going to pick your brain and your mind, and I'm going to see how you work, because what you're doing is working, and I want to glean some things from you. And so, and as a side note, Whoever you are today, when you watch the man of God that God has put in your life and you watch how God operates and how God uses him 
and how they mentioned the Holy Ghost falling in that church so much. There's a price that comes with that. It don't just happen. It don't, it's not just because God says, I'm going to use this person or that person. But when you pay the price and when the church pays the price, amen, miracles will happen. Revival will happen. The hand of God, the work of God will begin to do miracles in a service. And, uh, but there's a price that comes with that. You can't party all the time. You can't just want to have fun all the time. It's like uh, someone mentioned, I believe it was Brother Riggin mentioned about all-night prayer meetings. Amen. That's not a fun thing. <laughs> You know, to us sometimes, oh, man, isn't that neat? They prayed all night. Well, when you're trying to do the prayer, <laughs> man, and come up with something to pray about, it's not such an easy thing, but it's a beautiful thing. Hand that down to Brother Moore. Brother Moore, Brother Moore, I said last night, he's the youngest among us, but he's got the most recent memories, and I want him to talk to us here. I spent 18 years at Greater Apostolic Tabernacle, and I thought about this. Somebody asked Elder Davis, because the name of the church was Apostolic Tabernacle, correct? And they said, when did the church get greater? He said, when I showed up on the scene. And he didn't mean it out of arrogance, but he meant it out of confidence. And uh, that was the truth. These other men, I think, all got the Holy Ghost under other people, but I received the Holy Ghost under him. He won me to God, directly won me to God. I was in a bar bar hopping, nightclubs. I met a girl one night and began to have a relationship. She was a Catholic girl, never been in a Pentecostal church in her life. After about two or three months, I said, well, I guess we better go home and meet mom. Took her home to meet my mother. And first thing out of my mother's mouth was, when are y'all getting married? And I was like, oh, oh, hold the, hold the horses right now. We don't talk about marriage. Well, the next day she went through her pastor, Brother Davis. And he looked at her and he said, Jeanette, I've never done this. He said, but you tell him to come three times in a row and I'll marry him free. I'll let him use the entire church. He said, there's certain things I will not do in the wedding ceremony. They want to do it, they can do it. But he said, you just tell them to come three times in a row and I'll marry them free. Anything free, I, I want, you know. The first night we was there, now, I had been when I was a child, as you said, coming in on the Sunday school bus. My, he, he actually called my mother an old beaver because she's always up and down the bank. Coming in the church and out of the church, she'd backslide, she'd come in, live for God a little bit. But the first night we was there under that, in that time, at that time, the choir was practicing, and just you could feel what we didn't know at the time was the Spirit of God. And they come off the platform. They all walked past us and went out the door because we were in a converted gym. Whenever I got the Holy Ghost, that's we were using the gym. We was like, where are they going? My mother said, well, they're going to pray. He said, they pray before church. Well, what an impact it put in my mind. And I can't tell you what he preached that night, but I know that choir got up and sung, and the Holy Ghost fell. And I looked over at my little Catholic girlfriend who'd never been in a Pentecostal church in her life, Never watched the Pentecostal services because Pentecostal services. And she's sobbing and weeping. And, and, and my mother said, what's wrong with her? I said, I don't know what's wrong with you. She said, I don't know what this is, but I want it. 
And that night she went down to the front and she kneeled down. And he didn't go down there. Now, I've been to the big charismatic churches. I've been to the biggest one in, in, in the metro. It was called uh, Church on the Rock. Larry Lee. I'm sorry. You know, it's not going out that far. He may be dead by now anyway. I don't know. But anyway, they told me they're going to teach me how to speak in tongues, see me tie my tie, buckle my belt, spell medicine fast, M-E-D-I-C-N-E. But I can remember going to Brother Davis's church as a child, and something got in my stomach, and I felt like I was going to puke. And I got out of there as fast as I could. Fast forward a couple years, I'm, I'm at Greater Apostolic Tabernacle. She's down the front. She's, he's just, you could hear him from the, all the way from the back. Just repent of your sins, honey. Just ask God to forgive you. And she's just down there pouring all, all out, out her heart, like a elder used to say, God, I stole a chicken. Y'all remember that? <laughs> he said, repent of all of her sins, and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He walked down and laid hands on her and got the Holy Ghost. And everybody started coming back to me and said, you're next. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I got a career. I'm a professional barroom dancer. I mean, I get paid to go to the nightclubs. I get paid to give dance lessons. I get paid to do all this other stuff. I ain't going to church. But I'll tell you what, God began to work on me. And that next service, God moved in such a mighty way. You know, this man was a man of faith. And when he said something, he put it in a way that you could believe it. And I'll tell you, God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, I began to see things in a different light. I, I didn't want to live for God. But I'll tell you what, the more and more I went to church, the more and more I began to see it. And I'll tell you what, my family said, you're in a cult, you got to watch out. I said, well, this is a cult. It sure is changing my life. It's making me for the better. And I never will forget, he'd come down off the platform, and, and he began to just walk in the Holy Ghost. And there's something that, that we haven't used, the title that, that, that we give people sometimes who pray and pray and pray for the Holy Ghost. They're called chronic seekers. And I remember many, many times people would bring them from near and far to Greater Apostolic Tabernacle, and, and, and God would fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, people who have been seeking the Holy Ghost 40, 50, 60 years. And, and just to see Brother Davis move in the Holy Ghost and just give you a spirit of faith to feel like that, that anything is possible. You know, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. I, I, I don't, now the, the, the leg being stretched out and, and the arm being healed, I want to see those things in greater measure than I have ever seen them. And we saw a lot of healings. I remember Doug Walker coming down to the front, broke leg and God healing him and him shouting all over the front of that entire place. I remember people with a, with a, a, a hand uh, drawn up and, and elder praying for them and them receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and their hand being healed. He did have a certain way. If you felt the call to preach, I never forget when I went to him and told him I felt the call to preach. He spun on me and he said, you, I said, I feel a call. He said, you feel a call to preach or you feel a call? I said, I feel a call to win souls. He said, you better be glad you said that. And he said, Chris, you've won quite a few people to the Lord. Just keep walking with God. I kept walking with God, and he began to raise me up over a certain amount of time. And I will tell you that, that the spirit that he had was a spirit of ministry. And, and I, I'm going to go into this more on Sunday, but Numbers 
11 and 16, it said, The Lord said to Moses, Gather unto me 70 men, 70 of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them into the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there. And I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and thou, that thou bear it not thyself alone. This is a direct reference of God taking the spirit of Moses and putting it on. Amen, the man. We received his spirit of ministry. He hated tea. I love tea. He would not drink tea. There's a lot of things he didn't like, a lot of things that, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I've always told my boys. If you go somewhere, if you're sitting under someone else, if they have a conviction that you don't have, you listen to them and you obey it. If you have a spirit and you have a conviction that they don't have, then you keep that to yourself and you don't push that on nobody else. But the man of God is somewhere you should always take his conviction. And I'll tell you, I didn't know no other pastor. I didn't know anybody else. But I'll tell you what, that spirit of ministry he had, he transferred it to us. And it gave us a spirit of faith that we could go into areas where people need the Holy Ghost and we could pray them through and pray with confidence and have faith for miracles. I remember one certain time that I uh, been needing a bed and I, I got up and I had my prayer time in the morning before I went out and made my sales calls for my machine tool business. I said, God, I need a bed. My back is killing me. God, I need you to work a miracle out. I need a bed. And so I went to Fort Worth. I lived on the east side of Dallas, in the east side of Dallas, and went to Fort Worth. And I'm just going to tell you some things about faith, okay? If you don't mind, just give me a minute. I went over and made my sales calls, came back, and I always went by the church every day. Once a day, I checked on the church. I began to check on the church and was looking around, and actually a lady named Sister Gooch pulled in the parking lot. And she said, I just saw an old friend of yours when you was in the world. And I was always, oh, God, I hope not. What did they tell her? You know, that's what I always run through my mind. And she said, he owns a furniture store over in Balt Springs now. I thought, furniture store in Balt Springs. Uh, must be low-end stuff. So I decided not even remember any of the prayer that I had prayed. And I went over and... He had a uh, nice little furniture store in Ball Springs, and I walked in, was talking to him. Terry, how you doing? I'm doing, Chris. Good, Chris, man. I saw that lady in your church. She come in and bought some stuff from me. Man, it's awesome. We began to talk. And about that time, his manager come walking in, and he said, he said, hey, while you were over at lunch, I sold that bed frame that that, that $2,000 Stearns and Foster's mattress in Ball Springs was on. And I was sitting, standing there, and he said, Chris, do you need a bed? My knees almost buckled. And my pastor came in my head. You prayed for it, and I've given it to you. I'll tell you what. Sometimes I think we just think things are small, and we can't ask for them. About probably a year later, my wife and I were, were in, the, in the kitchen, and, and my wife said, you know, our ghost grocery bill has been averaging twelve to $1,500 to $1,500 a month with all five of these boys. And me, she just didn't say it. 
But she said, we need a deep freeze and we need a, a Sam's card, Chris. We, we got to get it. And I said, okay, honey, I'll pray about it. You know, let's pray about it. During that time period, for about a period of three years, our pastor's daughter would go pick him up on Wednesday nights and bring him to church, and then we took him home. And um, on the way home that next Wednesday night, we were weaving through the roads, getting, getting him home, and he had purchased a piece of property in a very, very high-end area. And as he, in his prudent way, had built the smallest house that could be built in that area that would look right. And we were driving through these big homes and trying to get him home, and we come around a curve, and there sit a deep freeze. As pretty as you please, sitting right beside the road, we pulled up into the driveway. I opened the door on it, and a big note inside there said, brand new does not match the new decor in my wife's kitchen. Free of charge, everything in the cellophane envelope. I said, oh, my Lord, this is the answer to prayer. I rushed back to the van, began to tell my wife and Elder Davis. Elder Davis said, get me home. Get me home. And he, he had bad hips, well, remanufactured hips. He got out. He said, don't even walk me to the door. He waddled like a penguin all the way to his door. He said, go get that. Go get that. God's given you that. I rushed back, made all my kids sit to the front. They were sitting everywhere. We put that in there. God spoke to me and told me, he said, you take care of the man of God, and I'll take care of you. You've taken care of the man of God. I'll take care of you. Our church began to go through some hard times, and we were carrying our pastor home on one of, those, one of the last Wednesday nights. And my pastor said, before I get out of this van, I'm going to pray for all five of these boys. And he said, God... In the name of Jesus, I ask you to call every one of them to preach. God, I ask you to use them. God, I pray that my spirit is transferred to their dad, and I pray that this spirit transfers to them. As of today, I've got four boys with the call of God on their life. Five, really, but one's running. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get the spirit of ministry from your pastor, amen, nothing will stop you. Amen. I, I, you know, I, I didn't get things just to get them because my pastor did. I started combing my hair over because Ron Garrett said he started combing his hair over like Brother Von Morton did. So I started combing my hair over. Next thing you know, I'm getting the bald spot back there like my pastor. So I've got the cover up. I tried to comb it back. I looked like a freak. But more than any of that, I got the spirit of my pastor. I, walked, I went to California to, to, to evangelize, and a man walked up to me and said, I want you to go preach at the L.A. Mission. And I was like, oh, Lord, what has it got, 150 people? They said, no, about 2,500, 3,000 people are going to be in there. And I'll tell you what, something rose up in me and said, your pastor said he would see thousands upon thousands get the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, through the men that God called off from under Elder Davis, they're going to see that. A direct representation of his ministry. I remember he'd come home from preaching a camp meeting somewhere between Texas and, and Canada. And he said that he was eating with the ministers afterwards, and about, he said, five or ten got around him, 
And they began to question him if he believed everything that was going on in Ethiopia. Where's Brother Billy Cole and all the people getting the Holy Ghost and all these kind of things. And he said, brothers, I believe it because I want to see it. That man is a direct representation of instilling faith in the men that we can see things greater than what we could ever even dream of. The Bible says we're going to do greater works. I'm going to see more people get the Holy Ghost than James Davis did. I'm going to, I'm going to, see, I'm going to see more miracles than what he saw. That's what he wanted us to, to, to happen in our lives. He wanted us to see something that he never even saw. I always can tell you that whenever I'm getting ready to make a move, I have a pastor in my life, a man of God that speaks into my life, Bishop Paul Sharp. But I'll tell you what, I always run it through a time of prayer and meditation. And I hope you don't think this is some off the wall, but I always wait to try to hear the voice of my pastor. What would he say and what would he do with this? Because I got his spirit of ministry. We hope that the remarkable miracles presented will strengthen your faith in a God who can achieve the impossible. It doesn't end there. Many more stories will follow as they recount the miracles that have influenced their ministry. Join us next week on Face the Truth. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olathetruth.com live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.